Hi everyone, this is Ray, and this is TJ, and you're listening to Reconnect, the official podcast from Shincheonji Church of Jesus New Heaven New Earth. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> it's, it's good to have you listening again, everyone. Just for those listeners who haven't listened to the previous episode, this episode today it's a continuation of the last episode, which was what is the meaning of holy. Today we're going to talk about how we become holy. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, we recommend that you do because it does relate. Yeah, hit pause right now. <laughs> go listen to it and come back if you need to. But before we go into the topic, I want to talk about uh, some of the videos that I've uh, recently watched on YouTube. Oh, okay. I've, I've always enjoyed watching debates, whether it's scholarly or just casual debates, because I used to teach in oh. English academies in Korea. And you would see all these students making their arguments, whether it's logical or just completely doesn't make any sense. But uh, just watching that and also watching really professional debates on YouTube, it's interesting because recently I watched debates between atheists and Christians, Christian apologetics. Mm. And you know, you have those famous atheists like Sam Harris, uh, Richard Dawkins. Oh yeah. People like that. Yeah. Richard yeah. Dawkins, very famous. And you have Christian apologetics like Dr. William Craig. And just watching these videos got me thinking because the topic that they debated about was about moral goodness. And I'm paraphrasing here because um, I watched a bunch of videos. So <laughs> <laughs> they're not all you, going to you be fell into yeah, a YouTube in mind. Hole. <laughs> yes. Oh, the YouTube algorithm is oh, a man. scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> just drags you in. But uh, yeah, the what they were discussing was moral. In the religious realm, or religious people, consider that there is a moral standard to good and evil because we have a creator who created the standard of good and evil. Whereas you have atheists who don't believe that we were created, but we are the result of a sequence of events that happened coincidentally or yeah. by chance. And therefore, there is no set standard, but it is what we make of it. What I found interesting was whether you be atheist or a person of religion, both strive to define what good is. People of religion try to find the definition of good in religion and from God. Atheists try to find good by seeking, well, different methods, depending on yeah. what kind of life value they have. But like I said, the commonality is they do strive for good. And I think this is something that we should consider because the reason people strive for good is something that is a bit striking for me. If we are just beings evolved based on survival of the fittest, why do we have to care about good or evil? But the thing is, people do. For me personally, it just gives us a hint that people have an innate will to become good. I would say that most people mm -hmm. strive to be good in one way or another. And yeah, a lot of it does have to do with your background, the values that you've formed yourself. So was there a particular debate that you saw that had better arguments than the other? Well, it really depends on what kind of values that you have because right. they both make good arguments. They're logically cohesive and they make sense looking at it from their individual perspectives. Yeah, so it's really difficult to say who mm. won, and I, <laughs> I, I, I fear that this is going to get a lot of heat yeah. if I declare the winner. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that, but they make very good points. As a Christian, understanding that there is an absolute standard of good and evil is very natural for me because mm. you know, we believe in God, 
and we've come to the understanding and the belief of God, not through blind faith, but through understanding and through evidence. Mm -hmm. So for me, accepting the fact that there is a definite standard or an absolute standard of good and evil is only natural. But I do understand where the atheists are coming from. That's interesting. I, I thought this was relevant because we are going to talk about how to become holy. And holy, as we talked about in the last episode, is essentially 100% good, mm. being completely without sin. Mm. And it struck me as interesting the fact that people, whether you are religious or non-religious, you strive to become better or good. Yeah. God says in the Bible that we should become holy for he is holy. And we looked in the last episode how we were once created as holy beings. So our yearning to return to that original state of holiness is not something that is unfounded. That ties in pretty well to what you were talking about, the unconscious desire to be good. But that connection to actually a state that we once had, that's, mm -hmm. that's in the Bible itself. And that is what we are going to talk about. So going into the topic directly, how do we become holy? Mm. The question of the question. day. We will get into this right now. Uh, that was a long introduction. Thank you for waiting. But uh, <laughs> well, further let's delay. get into it. Yes. How do we become holy? Okay, so before we go deeper into the topic that we started last episode, let's go ahead and have a quick recap of what we learned last time. Ah, yes. Yeah, okay. I think that's necessary. But even if you listen before, okay, just to refresh your memory, holy is actually from the Hebrew. And we learned last time that it's the word kadosh. Kadosh means to be set apart and to be set apart specifically from sin and evil. God is holy because he is set apart from sin and evil. There's no gray area here. He's 100% pure. He's 100% true. And one thing that we talked about last episode is that how that's very different than the way that we kind of gauge morality and sin for ourselves. It's very easy for us to have gray areas as people, but God doesn't have any of that. Completely good, 100% and without sin. That standard God has is not just for himself. It's something that we have to have as well. One thing that we talked about during our previous episode was that bar that God has to be holy it is pretty high because it's actually a goal that we have to obtain. Yes. If you look in Leviticus 19.2, God commands us to be holy because he is holy. And we got into it deeply about how God being himself holy, when he created us, we were also holy beings as well. But because sin entered this world through Satan, we were tainted, we were there was a perversion that occurred and now we are in a state of unholiness. And therefore, in order for God to be with us once more, he tells us to become holy. And that is exactly why we are going to talk about how to become holy, what the Bible tells us. And the thing is, when you look at this question, how do we become holy? If you understand what it really means, this question should also sound like, how do I become reconnected with God once more? Oh, I like that word, reconnect. It's the same question. <laughs> so that's a recap. Let's tell our <laughs> let's tell our listeners what the answer is in the Bible. How do we become holy? Okay. <laughs> well, holiness can be obtained through truth. That's what the Bible tells us. Now we all have different standards for truth, and then that's the problem, actually. But if we look in John chapter 17, verse 17, this is the account of Jesus praying before his arrest, because the very next day he was to be crucified. So he's yes. praying for himself, he's praying for mm -hmm. the disciples, but he's also praying for believers that would believe in his name in the future. Yes, mm -hmm. us. Us, right? yeah. 
So mm-hmm. you should feel pretty special. Jesus prayed for us. It's, it's an amazing thing to think about, but it's right there in the word. But verse 17, he says, sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. Yes. And this is where Jesus is asking God to sanctify the disciples and also believers mm. like us. And sanctify means to make holy. Jesus is telling us how we do that is through the truth. And for those of you who don't really understand what truth is, Jesus is kind enough to clarify in the next sentence by saying, your word is truth. So the word of our God is truth. So it's simple, right? If we break it down, according to Jesus, for us to become holy, we have to have the truth, which is God's word. Mm. So let's just apply that and see what happens. Okay. Let's read the Bible. We we memorize it. We fervently read it. We practice it. We try to keep it. Okay, if that's the case, if we do that, do we become holy? It should, right? It should. That seems to be the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yes. The result should be holiness. Mm-hmm. In principle, this is as simple as it gets. Yeah. But there are some factors to consider because through the history of the Bible, God gives accounts where we have to be careful not to make the same mistake. And if you go back 2000 years ago, back to the time when Jesus came, you had the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. For those of you who are not so familiar with who these people are, Pharisees and the teachers of the law are basically like pastors in this day and age in Christianity. Mm. But what's different is they kept all the laws written in the Old Testament. Yeah, to the letter. Yeah, exactly. And they had these little scrolls coming out of their foreheads. Like they placed it in their foreheads to read it while they walked. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing how they just were so committed in keeping the word. Mm. And they practiced it. It's not just memorizing it. They practiced it daily. And they were revered by the Jewish society at the time. So in principle, doesn't it seem like they were following God's word? It seems like it. They're following the law to the letter. If that equation, if we, if we want to make that a mathematical kind of uh, <laughs> example, yeah, the, the result mm-hmm. should be holiness, we would think. But when we look at the Bible, we can see that they were not holy in the eyes of God. Yeah, that's what we want to talk about right now. The fact that they kept all the words, they were revered by the Jewish society and the people. Mm. But when Jesus came, Jesus said, you are with sin. You're sinners And not just that, in Matthew 23, Mm. Jesus calls them serpents. You need to think about this contradiction here. They memorized the Bible, which is the Old Testament at the time. Mm. They kept it to the letter. And yet Jesus, the son of God, calls them serpents, Mm. which by default renders them unholy, right? Mm. (laughs) To say the least. (laughs) Yeah. So where did they go wrong? Where did they go wrong? All right, so it seems like they're doing everything right, but here's Jesus telling them that, hey, you you are in error. It seems like there is a missing element. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're following everything to the letter, they definitely misunderstood something. And what is that, Ray? The truth, because mm-hmm. that's what they misunderstood. Yes. If you look in Matthew 22, verse 29, mm. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that they are in error of God's word, which means that they are they have misunderstood God's word. What's significant about this verse, if you understand it, it means that even if you read the same Bible, if you don't understand it in the way God wants you to understand it, then it's not the truth. And Jesus says God's word is truth. But think about it. When we read God's word, the Bible, and interpret it to our own wanting and to our own liking, does that become truth? It's not possible because we're doing it according to our own thoughts. So it, it's losing the meaning that the author had originally. 
just to give you a simple example, I write a letter to you, Ray. Okay. Right? <laughs> I write a letter and I say, hey, Ray, I'm really hungry. That'd be an interesting thing to put in a letter, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most random thing. But for the sake of an example, I write to you in a letter that I am hungry. And then you read it and mm-hmm. then you think to yourself, hey, TJ's hungry. Oh, he probably means that he's hungry for knowledge. Hmm. And you make your own interpretation, right? Whereas I simply meant, I'm hungry for a burger. Okay. So okay. it's a very crude example, I know. No, I got so, it, I got yeah, it. Yeah, but it, you get it, right? It just tells us that you should understand the intention and the meaning behind the, the author or who wrote it. And in this case, it's God. Mm. And if you take that and misunderstand it or twist it to your own interpretation, then it is not truth. Think about the word truth and the implications within the word. Truth is something that is, I don't know how to explain this. Uh, it's, it feels truth very metaphysical. Truth. Yeah, <laughs> truth is truth. But what that implies is that there are lies. What I mean is, if there were no lies and nothing to deceive us in this world, would there be a need for the word truth? And I'm making air quotes here, truth. There, there would be no need for it because everything would be true. But the fact that Jesus and God talk about truth means that there are lies. And if you go one step deeper into what this really means, it means that there is a correct understanding of the Bible and there is a wrong understanding of the Bible. And truth is, as we said, the correct answer and the correct understanding of what the Bible is saying. So truth is correct understanding of the Bible. What is this? I mean, okay, truth is correct understanding of the Bible. You know, yeah. lies are incorrect understanding of the Bible. Got it, got it, got <laughs> it. Simple enough. I'm keeping uh, notes. How do we, yeah, how do we <laughs> understand that in the Bible? Let's see Jesus. Let's look at a very famous verse. Okay. It's John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. So Jesus says he is the truth. And a lot of people just take this verse and say, oh yeah, Jesus is life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> sorry. I- <laughs> you, 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 sound, you sound like me <laughs> years ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's what people think generally when they read this verse. And you have to think deeper about what this means. So mm-hmm. why is Jesus truth? Well, simply because you know, he's the son of God. Yeah. But is that enough for us to understand what that really means? Let me clarify. Jesus is the truth because he was able to tell us what the truth about the Bible is. So he he brought truth to us as in not just because he was God's son, but because Mm -hmm. of the words that he spoke. Yes. The understanding that he was able to bring for us that we didn't have before. Yes, exactly that. Just take a look at the Jewish faith Mm. uh, 2000 years ago. You had multiple denominations the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and many more. And what this means is that they all had different understandings and different interpretations about the Bible, the Old Testament. And think about it, it's the same scripture. That kind of sounds like a mess. (laughs) (laughs) They're all saying, I am the answer. Mm. And another denomination is saying, I am the answer. And think about it. If one person is saying A equals B, and another person is saying A does not equal B, it's a contradiction and you can't have both. Both cannot be right. It's not possible for them to be right, but the thing that you pointed out is that, yes, they have all these d- different denominations and their their reasoning, their equations are all different. They're using the same text. And you had the Jewish people. I, I mean, if they liked the teachings of the Pharisees, they attended the Pharisee church. Likewise for the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. And it was just all very, very divided. 
depending on what they followed, what teaching they followed. But here we have Jesus who came and said, you are all wrong. I have the answer. And we see that in Luke chapter 24, when he is resurrected and he meets the disciples. Look at verse 44 to 45. It is said that Jesus explained what the Psalms and the books of Moses and the books of the prophets really meant. He interpreted them and explained them to the disciples according to their correct meaning, what God really intended to tell us through these books. Jesus explained it to them. So he cut through all the confusion. Exactly. He is saying this is the answer and nothing else. This is why Jesus says that he is the truth because he brought truth. He revealed the truth to us and the people who understood that and came to the realization of who God truly is are the 12 disciples, right? Mm. They understood what God really wanted to tell us in the Old Testament. And the disciples are the first 12 people who realized what that was. And that was through Jesus because Jesus brought that truth. It's really striking because when you were just explaining about the different denominations and their different reasoning, and they all have the same text and how that could be confusing for someone who was at that time until Jesus came to bring that understanding. But that situation sounds not too dissimilar to today. I mean, you have hundreds, if not thousands, of different denominations in the Christian world today. Mm. A lot of people don't understand what this really means. It means that we are divided in our understanding of God and Jesus mm. because we don't follow the same teaching. We'll probably get into this another time in more detail about why there are more multiple denominations and, not, yeah. and whatnot. But uh, it's important for us to understand that first, the fact that there are multiple denominations means that there are multiple interpretations and teachings of the Bible, the same Bible. So where is truth? Because the <laughs> the entire purpose of today's episode, coming back to it. <laughs> where is truth? That's, that is a question yeah. <laughs> that has been asked many times. Yeah. The topic today was how do we become holy? And we said the answer was through the truth. And the truth is, you know, the proper and correct understanding of the Bible. But here we have it, hundreds of different denominations within the Christian world today, yeah. meaning different teachings. Where can we find truth? How do we know which one is truth in the midst of all this confusion that we have? <sighs> Just taking a couple of examples, if you go to a Presbyterian church, they teach what is known as Calvinism yeah. and they teach predestination. Mm. That's basically saying that people who are going to be saved and people who are going to be sent to hell are already predetermined since the beginning of time by God, where you have the Methodists. And the Methodists say, hey, our salvation is yet to be determined and we have free will. So we are the ones that decide whether or not we go to hell and we go to heaven. You know, we make the choices. So it's a direct uh, collision <laughs> yeah. and contradiction. And that's just one example. Then you just multiply that by all the other different <laughs> <laughs> interpretations, different opinions, mm -hmm. all while using the Bible. And I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, DJ. There was, there was a time where my family and I, we went from church to church and denomination to denomination, each time kind of leaving with a, scratching our heads. Why is that? Well, you know, for our listeners right now, that search for truth, I, I think that's a, a situation that is not uncommon for Christians. What we're looking for is something concrete. We And we want in our hearts to actually find what God wants to communicate to us. But sometimes it seems like our options are not satisfying. You know, we talked about hundreds of different denominations. But like you said, Ray, it's 
Very similar to the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago, the Jewish faith had multiple denominations, and Jesus was the one who came and said, you are all wrong, and I have the answer. What we need to understand right now and remind ourselves is the fact that Jesus said he will come again. What do you think he would say about the current situation of Christianity if he sees that it's so divided? It would be a very disappointing thing to see. I think Jesus would also want to tell us what the truth is once more. Yeah, he would bring that understanding. Mm -hmm, exactly. But how would he do it? In what way he will convey the truth to us once more is already recorded in the Bible. Jesus told us. And it's for us to understand how that will happen. What's more amazing is that Jesus told us that in the end of times, before he comes back, there will be a situation like this where Christianity is divided, where there are so many different interpretations and teachings about the Bible. Jesus told us in advance so that we would know, but where do we go on from now? Where do we obtain truth? And this is what we learned in Xinchenji. Yeah. With clarity, where the truth is, how we obtain that truth. And it's through understanding the Bible how God wanted us to understand it. Through that way, we are able to understand what truth is. We become holy through the truth, but it's up to us now to discover and put in the effort of discovering truth in this world right now. Because without it, how do we become holy? You know, we're left in the same shoes as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who kept the word to the letter and yet still were found unholy in the eyes of God. That's a scary place to be in when we really think about it. One thing we really need to ask ourselves is do I have that kind of lifestyle? Is my life of faith similar to that of the Pharisees? Like, really. And, and, I, and I don't mean to the point where Jesus is calling us out as serpents. But for many of us, going to church, having that routine, right? Being in a Christian family or just being a Christian individual and knowing the word to the letter. All these are great things, but they don't mean anything if we're doing them from a place of untruth. And what I mean by that is exactly what you talked about today, TJ, mm -hmm. from a place of our own opinion, our own reasoning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another question is, am I following the truth? Am I really, truly following the truth? And you know, that's a great question because that's the exact question that got me to study the Bible here at our church. Definitely. I've been to multiple churches of different denominations and the fact that the teachings were all very different got me to question, do I have the truth? Do I have a correct understanding of God's word? And when I found the answer to be no, that's when I truly started to seek. Mm. And, you know, in Psalm chapter 14, verse 2, it says that God is searching for those who are really seeking him with a true heart. And when you have that heart and the humbleness of admitting to yourself that maybe you don't have the truth, like for me, that was the case. Yeah. I prayed to God, God, I don't know you. I don't know what the Bible means. Mm. And I want to know. Mm. So please tell me because I'm searching and I'm trying to know, but all these answers are different. And when we have that heart and yearning, I think God really guides us to understand what he wants us to know in the Bible. He definitely does. And I think for many of us, um, certainly for me, there is that moment of realization where for me anyway, I started to look at all the different churches and all the different denominations mm -hmm. that I found myself in growing up and as a, an adult as well. And having that moment where, okay, something is not lining up here. But my heart truly, back then, my heart truly desired to know God. I knew that there was a reason why he wrote all of these promises in the Bible. But I just couldn't understand yet. But just like you said, when we have that desire, when we have that heart, he does 
guide us. You just reminded me of something Jesus said. If you said you don't see, if you said you couldn't see, mm. then you would be without sin, right? But because you say you see, you are blind. I think proper faith requires us to be to have a little humility and just you know we're before God. There's we don't need to be prideful, yeah. right? Um, and asking God for direction is possibly the best place to be to set out in that discovery for truth. At least it was for me. What we wanted to talk about today was essentially this: the fact that we need to know the truth in order to become holy, because Jesus tells us that the way to become holy is through the truth. So let's really keep seeking what truth is. If you have found this podcast、uh, to be helpful and you resonated with it, please keep searching. We encourage all of ourselves to do so. And that's it for today. While while you're on this 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 journey and you're asking these questions, please continue to send us messages. Continue,、oh, yes. continue、yes. to, because I personally enjoy reading them. It's,、yes. it's definitely a highlight for me. Feel free to reach out, contact us, and if you haven't already downloaded, subscribed,、uh, please do so. It's greatly appreciated. That's all we have for today, and we will return with another episode of Reconnect next week. Reconnect. Yes. <laughs> so this has been TJ and Ray. You've been listening to Reconnect. Reconnect. See you next time, guys.